Hello, this is C. Montgomery Burns here on behalf of the Canned Air Podcast to record a custom radio advertisement set to air following the Amos and Andy show. Ah, sir. Amos and Andy have been off the air for over 50 years. I see. Well, then what's this Canned Air show even about? Comics and pop culture, sir. Comics, eh? Well, I've read my fair share of Mutt and Jeff. Actually, sir, they focus on more current independent and mainstream topics. On CannedAirPodcast.com, you can watch movie trailers, check out past episodes, and even buy comics, movies, and video games. I see. And where might one find this CannedAirPodcast.com? Ah, on the internet, sir. Very well, Smithers. Take me to this internet. Well, it's not a place, sir. It's on a computer. Now, why is eh? Smithers, release the hounds! Uh, go to CannedAirPodcast.com. Best website ever! You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Your refusal to listen will be one more reason for me to fire up my death ray and take over the world. Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, we have Jerome Walford of Forward Comics here to talk about his comic series, Nowhere Man. Thanks for joining us, Jerome. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. We're going to be talking a little bit about The Simpsons, uh, one, the Family Guy merger, and two, the season premiere. Uh, what else? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Some funny smells that are going to be coming out of uh, the new Harley Quinn comic. And then we'll get with Jerome and talk more Nowhere Man. But before we do all that, let's get to recaps. Recaps! All right. First thing I have down here just to talk about were the premieres of Gotham and S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Do you mm-hmm. watch it, either of those, Jerome? Oh, yeah. I've actually been keeping up with both of those shows. Um, you know, Gotham, I think had a really good premiere. I'm really liking the way they've, um, you know, plotted it and the characters where they're coming together so far. It feels really good. I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm going to really look forward to seeing this every week and see how it develops. Yeah, me too. Same I here. had a blast watching it. When it was over, it kind of left me with a mild feeling that Breaking Bad used to give me, like that suspense, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. How about you, Jack? It was weird seeing all the the characters being younger. Yeah. And sitting there waiting for the next one to come up, and they would be there, and you'd be like, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, Oswald uh, Cobblepot, he was fucked up. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. (laughs) But it was really good. I can't wait to see the next one. And S.H.I.E.L.D., man. What a a change this season. It was really good. It was good. Uh, Yeah. Very. Yeah, caught me by surprise, I got to say. It really caught me by surprise. And that ending, wow. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but man, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah, oh god, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the absorbing man, I just got to say, was fantastic. Yes, you know, in last season when they brought uh, what was it, Deathstroke, or uh, not Deathstroke, uh, Deathlock. Excuse Deathlock, me. Yeah, yeah, he was cool, but uh, I don't know. He was just still kind of a. Uh, this looked like movie quality uh, yeah. graphics for yeah. this villain. Yeah, looked awesome. You guys have anything else to add on that? We're missing Gotham right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for DVR. Yeah. Right, exactly. (laughs) Actually, I think we're going to miss both of them because they're both on Monday now, aren't they? I thought Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on on Tuesday. Tuesday. Maybe it is. Again, DVR. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you know, I was among the the few, well, not so few, that uh, gave Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a, a hard time when it first came out because, you know, it had a really rough start. Yeah, it did. But it, you know, it's really starting to find its own voice now, and I think it's it's been a great opening to the to the season. I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, well, I think everybody expected it to be like there'd be cameos of superheroes all throughout the whole thing instead of it just being a movie about just sure. the agent or a show about the agents. Yeah, yeah, as uh, closely tied to the movies as they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, any show first season always is rough. Yeah. Always is rough. So, you know, you always have the bugs to work out. You have the characters to develop. It seems like they've got the chemistry down now. That's how it was for Arrow. The first season, it was all right. The second season, it was really good. I really I need can't to wait watch for the that. third one now. I need to get into that. Anyway, that's all there is on that. Uh, 
yeah, check the shows out. They're really good. I enjoyed them. All right. All right. Moving on. All right. We got to talk about the uh, Simpsons 1 season premiere and to the Family Guy crossover. Where would you gentlemen <laughs> care to start? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys take that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not see either of them? I didn't see it yet. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear what people say. Uh, uh, but, but I'm looking forward to checking it out, too. Well, we're not going to spoil anything for you. Okay. Okay. But um, <laughs> the Family Guy crossover, it was good. Yeah. It was entertaining. Yeah. There were some good laughs in there. I think you said it best, though, today when uh, you said a lot of the best parts were in the trailers. That, that five-minute had... trailer that was on YouTube. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of the best ones were on there. It was still definitely good. Uh, I would definitely check it out if you haven't, for sure. <laughs> Now, as far as the season premiere goes, the big build-up over, what was it, over the summer was they are going to be killing off one of the main characters on The Simpsons mm -hmm. on the season premiere of the 25th episode. And the character they killed off was not a popular character. I mean... No. He was, he was a B character, maybe a D character. I don't know. He was... It was Krusty's dad. So I don't understand. I, so they didn't really go for it then. They just they just kind of like halfwayed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mr. Burns and Grandpa Simpson are really up there in old age. <laughs> that would have made yeah. more yeah. sense. But um, yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care. I mean, he was never. When's the last time you saw him? You know, seasons and seasons yeah. ago. Sure. Who cares? That's why I thought it was a rerun because I thought he had died already. <laughs> but because I just I don't watch the show hardly ever, but yeah, when I saw that it was on last night, I was like, yeah, we'll watch The Simpsons before the Family Guy crossover, right? And I see, yeah, I saw that it, that was that one. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's when his dad dies. I'll watch it. <laughs> and <Well. laughs> it didn't keep my attention the whole show. I wish it were a rerun and we were still <laughs> awaiting a season premiere, but oh, it's too bad. It is too bad. I hate talking down on The Simpsons because they're. I love them. I love The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. I've got so much Simpsons crap around here. Right. But, um, yeah. Well, well, well you know, I can't believe it's, I mean, it's been on forever, right? Yeah, this is the 25th how they, year. How do they keep doing it? It's amazing. <laughs> how we how were, do they do it? We were just watching this video before we started the show of Matt Groening talking about the 25th season starting. And what did he say? Something about, like, when I feel like we're running it into the ground would probably be a good place to stop. And I had to laugh a little bit. <laughs> Luckily enough that pop culture keeps giving them ammo to make the show, but I don't know yeah. if that's really keeping it going. Yeah, it's it's a whole different uh, formula now. Mm -hmm. That show is really from the first ten seasons than what it is now. But, yeah. you know, whatever. If it's on, I'll watch it. Uh, One thing that was really cool was... Uh, I, I, it had to have been like Joan Rivers, one of her last performances, pretty much, because she was a character in it. Yeah. Also, yeah, that had to have been recorded before her death. Yep. You know, I didn't even catch that. I was so in and out of that episode. It just was not pulling me in. Yeah. When she, her, her character came on, me and Misty were like, oh, look. And thinking that it was a rerun, we didn't think much of it. But after, it was kind of like, oh, hey. They probably had it in memory of Joan Rivers at the end or something. Yeah. Did it feel eerie at all, though? Like, I'm, you know, seeing it? Did it feel kind of eerie, you know, like being like after? Not if I knew it was the the new episode, but I thought it was a rerun. So I was just like, oh, look, it's just kind of reminiscing of Joan Rivers pretty sure. much. Right, right. Huh. Yeah, the only other time I remember her being on the show was in the B-Sharps episode. After Chief Wiggum had been kicked out of the singing group, he was laying in bed, <laughs> like watching talk shows. And all the late night talk shows were bashing him. And Joan Rivers like... So what about this Chief Wiggum? Ah, ah, ah. Like, gagging herself. <laughs> so definitely check out the Family Guy merger. I, I will say that. It was fun. Yeah. A lot of the the nuances from both episodes, both seasons, or both shows was pretty funny. All the little, like, one-liners and right. teaser Easter eggs and stuff from all the shows. It was pretty good. One thing I was telling you today, I was, I was interested to see how the Simpson characters reacted to the more, you know, the cruder family mm -hmm. guy humor. And there was uh, the scene where there was one scene. I will say I didn't, this won't spoil the episode for you, but uh, Bart and Stewie are making prank calls to Mo. <laughs> yeah. And Stewie's like, Oh, I want to try. I want to try. So he's like, Hey Mo, your sister's being raped. 
<laughs> just hangs up the phone. And then just hangs up the phone. And I'm like, oh my God, how's Bart going to react to this? And he just it stood there, like, staring with his mouth open. So I was like, eh, would have liked to have seen some kind of reaction there. <laughs> the car wash scene was a little too much. <laughs> that was funny, though. <laughs> All right. Wiggum's like, let him finish. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, Chief Wiggum. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We can, okay. We're not going to ruin any more. Yeah. No more spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from that. Jack, you have an update on the girl with the third booby? <laughs> yeah, the one we called Cerberus. Cerberus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, last week we uh, touched on the subject. Uh, the Jasmine Tri-Devil. That's, that's how her name's pronounced, I guess. It's not her real name. No pun intended with the tri in uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's claimed that she got plastic surgery to give herself an additional breast. So she'd look like the girl from Total Recall. Right. This came from TMZ. A document from uh, the Tampa International Airport Police Department came up describing a baggage theft. Um, I guess somebody had stole a bag at an airport and it was hers. After the police or after the the police investigated, they ended up doing the report. So they because they found the guy that stole it, hmm. and to uh, get him in trouble, they ended up searching the bag. And what did they find inside it? A three-breasted prosthetic. What? Yeah. So apparently, it's not true. Just just really good makeup. Ah, uh, well. I guess back to dreaming about Total Recall again, <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> I guess she's also been in trouble uh, for underage drinking and all kind of stuff. She's she's just a bad egg looking for a, a, a security, way in. Security, I'm missing a bag. Well, where's the last place you saw it? Right between my boobs. <laughs> well, you know, it didn't surprise me that when it came out that, uh, you know, that she was, uh, you know, just pulling a prank because I, I got to tell you, after uh, Jimmy Kimmel got us really good that, that last time, I don't know if you remember that. No. The, with the twerking video that, where she caught on fire? No. Oh, I don't think you, uh, you guys didn't hear about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was viral for, for a while about this girl that was twerking on the on the wall. She fell over into a candle and caught on fire. And uh, <laughs> yeah, people were going crazy. They were like, you know, oh, see, this is what happens. And it was a whole a hoax the whole time. And Did so Jimmy Kimmel when, orchestrated he totally orchestrated it. And so, you know, he really? did this big reveal like a couple weeks after it broke. And, um, and yeah, I was like, man, you got me. You got me real good. <laughs> so after wow. that, I was like, I was like, I'm just going to wait and see. I'm just going to wait and see. And sure enough, I was like, yep, not going to get wow. me this time. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't born yesterday. That's not a real third boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only like pictures I had seen, or picture, I should say, was the one that she had put on Twitter. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess there's a lot of shadow to it, but it looked legitimate. Uh, yeah, as real as it could, I guess. I yeah. Mean, but that, after I heard that, I was looking at it again, like, okay, I'm looking for any, like, line, like, seam lines. Uh, yeah, or yep. Discoloration, like, where makeup is or something, but uh, it's a damn good job. Well, if you look at Total Recall, it... Look real, I guess. Well, yeah, but they got Hollywood uh, I know. Like makeup artists and shit. Yeah, yeah, what she got? Did the makeup for her to do, pull this prank. I gotta tell you, give that person a job. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's one of the face-off people. Totally. <laughs> I will give it to her. It was good. So you got us for a week. <laughs> <laughs> we were on cloud nine for a week. Actually, I think I, I found time. that on Wednesday. We recorded on Monday. I think I found it on Wednesday, so yeah, I had to we, sit on it for a little, almost a week. The second we finish recording this show every week is when all the big news comes out. Yeah, like, every oh, time. damn it! <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's going to know by the time we report on it. Anyway, Jack, you have something else on Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, it is. Finally hit domestically. Um, it's the third biggest Marvel movie ever made so far. I wow. believe it. Number one being the Avengers, number two being Iron Man 3. Really? And then Guardians, yeah. Iron That's Man, Iron 3, Man still 3? Made a, it was it was hyped up too much and then kind of let you down after. That was tr that's very true. That cuz that's the only Iron Man that I went to the theater to see, now that I think about was it. Really? Yeah, it was. <laughs> after that goes Iron Man then Iron Man 2 and then Captain America 2. Oh. But that's domestic though. That's in the states. That's not worldwide. Oh, so I, I, I think it's actually a lot different worldwide. Wow. It was a great movie. I can't wait to own that one. And I, just, I think that's coming out in December, DVD. That, yeah, it'll probably come out, well, same time the Ninja Turtles come out, actually. <laughs> we'll see which one gets rented more. 
Did you happen to see the Ninja Turtles, Jerome? No, I didn't see that, but you know what? I really loved uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, that was a great flick. Yes, it was, from front to back. Mm -hmm. And I was really skeptical. I didn't think I would uh, attach yeah. to it like I did the Avengers and Captain America and yeah. uh, Iron Man. But, uh, yeah, I cannot wait for the next one. <laughs> it's just great writing. I mean, great, you know, great selection of the music. Yeah. Gosh, you know, just a really well done movie. I was really surprised because, uh, you know, I was really skeptical. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we had to go on a date. And I was like, yeah, let's just check this out. And like, wow, we just had a really good time. Yeah, it was a blast. The Vin Diesel part really had me skeptical at first. Oh, just voice <laughs> yeah. and group? Yeah. Yeah. But I was couldn't have been more pleased at the end. It was it was great. And the the music made it, I'll say again. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the three D effect. You have to see this movie in three D. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah, it was. Right. Alrighty. Anything else on that? Nope. That's it. That'll do it for recaps. Recap it! And with that, let's move right into the rumor mill. The rumors. Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. The rumors. Still on the topic of Marvel, Jack, you have something on Age of Ultron. Yeah, the movie Interstellar with uh, old Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Apparently, when it's released, I'm not sure when it's getting released. I didn't look at that part, but uh, one of the trailers for it is going to be Age of Ultron. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I already wanted to see that movie. That looked really good. Interstellar did. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I wonder if that's going to be the same trailer they lit up at San Diego Con. Mm, I don't know. Where they were all sitting around... Uh, trying to pick up the hammer. Trying to pick up the hammer and then all trombus in. But I've also heard there's another trailer where Iron Man's just talking to Jarvis. And, uh... Like in his lab, and then Ultron just walks out of the corner. At the mm, end that's right. After some dialogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll, it'll probably be a teaser or something like that. I think. I don't yeah, think probably won't so much. give up much. Yeah. Now, have we seen the teaser that's already out where you see the Iron Man helmet like rotating and slowly turning into Ultron? Was that in theaters? Uh, no, that was just released at Comic Con in 2013. So I wonder if that's what they'll put in the theaters. It better not be. I hope Everyone's not. seen that a million times. Yeah, yeah probably have. Yeah. I want something fresh. <laughs> That'll be a selling point for that movie, Interstellar. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it, totally, right? You know, although, I mean, yeah, Interstellar looks pretty good. It's worth checking out in and by itself. But if you have that trailer there, man, it's going to be packed. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Isn't it crazy that we'll go pay, you know, $30, $40 to yeah. watch a movie just to watch that trailer? <laughs> yeah. We're not even there to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere clears out after the trailers. Are going <laughs> over. Where are you going? I would totally see that happen. Yeah, for sure. I've done it. <laughs> Have you really? <laughs> Gone to a movie just for the trailer? Oh, just for the trailer. I thought you meant just left after the trailer. Oh, no, no, that no. That was a great 13 bucks I just spent. When the <laughs> very first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire was coming out, and really? uh, it was said that there was a trailer in front of some movie I could have given a shit about, I went and checked the movie out <laughs> just so I could see the trailer. But that was the first time we ever seen Spider-Man on the big screen, mm. and that was, yeah. oh, that was an awesome feeling. Yeah, that was awesome. Totally awesome. Yeah, it was. Anyway, anything else on that? No. Spider-Man 3 was on TV the other night. <laughs> I almost went to it. I was like, no, I'm what? not going to watch Emo. Emo Peter Parker? Yeah. Ugh. That was very sad. Yeah, it was. The little dance scene when he was in the bar. Ugh. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> I really hope that they do Venom better next time they do him. Mm. I mean... I wasn't a fan of it. I was watching some video over the weekend on YouTube where it was showing the costumes, like uh, different ideas for the Venom costume for Spider-Man 3 mm -hmm. that were never in the movie. And some of them looked all right. Like they actually had the mouth on him. It was just a little bit smaller instead of every time he wanted to talk, it like came back off its head. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't feel like Venom should be a hard thing to do with the CG technology we have this day, these days. No, they did the Hulk all CG. Why not just make Venom all CG? Yeah, or at least his head, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. you can put somebody in the body roll, but... Yeah. They gotta be built a little bigger than Topher. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a say, that was a very surprising choice. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Totally. I mean, you think of uh, Eddie Brock, you think great big ex-Marine, pissed off, yeah. buzz cut. Yeah. Not some trendy photographer, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, unusual. <laughs> Very much so. All right, moving on. You had something on Fantastic Four. 
Yeah, the origin story has been revealed for the new reboot movie. Interesting. Is, yeah. What's the it's, scoop? Uh, instead of getting their new powers from the radiation or the, what was it, gamma wave? Oh, they were in space on a mission and some, yeah, gamma rays some kind of, come through the ship and transform them. Well, this is going to be uh, a lab experiment gone wrong. And I guess they're going to open a portal to a new world slash dimension and receive their gifts after being exposed to this new world. Uh, I can see changing the origin if the original were really far-fetched, but I don't feel like th that one needs changed at all. I mean, what's wrong with that origin story? I guess it's part of the ultimate version. Fantastic oh, Four. I, I guess. see. But I oh, don't know anything hey. about the ultimates. So I was trying to how that would make sense, why they would do that whole other world thing. Unless they've got plans down the road, like they're going to start mimicking what yeah. uh, Marvel's doing, you know, because doesn't Fox do the Fantastic Four? Yes. 20th Century Fox, yeah. so maybe they're trying to make it a universe of their own with Fantastic Four and X-Men. Oh. So they're that. trying to tie it all in. Okay. Maybe. I'm, I'm just assuming here. These are not facts. <laughs> also, there's been the rumor that Johnny Storm was going to be the adulted child since he was played by an African-American Oh, actor, right. But uh, the rumor has it that Sue Storm is actually going to be the one that was adopted. Really? Yep. Uh, back back in May, they released that uh, Reg E. Kathy was going to be cast as Franklin Storm, Sue and Johnny's father. Really? So we're going to go like back to when they were young. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have to wait and see still. You know, after seeing those pictures of The Thing and uh, Doctor Doom, I've got hope for this movie. I think it's going to be do. good. It'll be different, I think. And the only person in the movie I know is Michael B. Jordan doing uh, the Human Torch. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen him in other stuff, and he's hilarious. Yeah, he's not really that this is a comedy or anything, <laughs> but he's good. I so. think he can play a arrogant, hothead badass. Yeah, I think he can do it easy. And it'll be nice to see someone else in the role of the Human Torch now that we have Chris Evans as Captain America <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. Human Torch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was good as Johnny Storm. He was, but when for, when they first put out uh, Captain America with him, it was hard for me to, you know, take from that cocky yeah. playboy image to wholesome, you know, uh, Mr. America kind of thing. I think it helped that they made him super scrawny and then made him huge. That was cool. That, that was, was really awesome. good how they did that. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was great. I mean, great special effects. I mean, when I first saw uh, the first Captain America movie, I was like, this guy looks familiar. I just don't know where... I've seen him. That's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> I didn't put my finger on it right away. Anything else on that, Jack? No, nope, it comes out next year, and we'll see. Yes, we will indeed. I guess there was also a lot of flack because San Diego Comic-Con, they didn't do anything talking about it. It wasn't talked about at all there. Well, yeah. that makes me a little bit more excited, like they're uh, trying to keep everything super hush-hush. Mm -hmm. They're done filming, mm -hmm. so it's, it's all post-production right now. I'm excited to see it. I'll go see it. Yeah, it's worth checking out. For sure. That'll do it for the rumor mill. The rumors. Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. yeah. Rumors. All right, let's get right into comic talk. And now, comic talk with canned air. Who wants to go first this week? I'll go first with my treasure. All right, Jack, you have the floor. I found an old Silver Age version on eBay of Superman back from 1961. Uh, the first issue went the that Superman died. Oh, really? Oh, and wow. And it was, it, he didn't really die in the book. I guess they advertised it real big that he was going to die, but kind of caught everyone off guard at the end because it was a, an imaginary tale, like a, one of the what ifs. Oh, I hate when they do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Lex Luthor ended up, he was in, he was in prison, and he found this mineral called Mineral Z. Yeah, something what I said like, it was? yeah, something like that, I don't remember. Yeah, it was Mineral Z or something like that, and he was able to cure cancer. And after he cured cancer, he was acquitted, let set free, said he'd be good forever now. And we all know that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made amends with Superman, they ended up being pals, Luthor showed him his, uh, his Luther's lair showed him all his hideouts and all that stuff and ended up Superman gave him the special watch that he could call Superman anytime because the mob was always trying to kill Lex because mm -hmm. they were like hey either kill Superman or we'll kill you 
And Lex ended up getting a space station made, laboratory that Superman made. I didn't know he could build stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) With an instruction manual, you can do anything. He also made, Superman made this uh, invisible barrier with a special exit and entrance that Lex could only let people in and out, keeping him safe so he could do his work. And one day Superman came over and Lex dosed him with some kryptonite rays and gave Superman kryptonite poisoning and he died. Oh, man. Yep. So there's a whole big funeral scene. Lois and Jimmy and uh, Perry were all at the funeral. All the superheroes, like futuristic superheroes came and to the funeral and all that. It was pretty good. (laughs) I love the cover of this thing. The great big 10 cent stamp, the old yeah. school comic code stamp on it. Very it's beautiful. That's cool. yeah, in good condition. Yeah, not bad at all. It was a nice buy on eBay. I would say. Cool. But yeah, a little bit of history right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow, that's very cool. Well, what I got this week is uh, something else I picked up a couple weeks ago at the Cincinnati Comic Expo was uh, the very first issue of Radioactive Man from The Simpsons. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> nice. If you remember, there was an ep- episode of The Simpsons, an old episode, where Milhouse, Bart, and Martin, were those I think the it was three? Martin. The three of them put their money together to buy a, the first issue of Radioactive Man, his origin story. And uh, this book is supposed to be uh, the real-life equivalent of that. And it's funny. It was made in 1993, but it has uh, November 1952 up in the top left <laughs> to make it more legit. But uh, it was fun to read through. It was just a typical Simpsons bongo comic. But uh, one thing I really enjoyed was finding the panels that you saw in the episode of The Simpsons and to see how they drew them in this mm-hmm. actual book. And some of the pictures aren't the same, but the dialogue is exactly the same. It's like, oh, my trousers cut in barbed wire. (laughs) (laughs) What's that noise? Yarg! (laughs) Uh, The cover's different than what it was in the Simpsons episode. But um, it was a lot of fun to read. It was a blast. The cover's glow in the dark, though. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. If you hold it up to the light and then turn the lights off, Radioactive Man, you can see his uh, glowing green skeleton in there, too. (laughs) Oh, that's very cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed reading it quite a bit. And I'm glad to add it to my Simpsons collection, so... You owe Jeff for that one. I do. (laughs) I'll have to buy him one next time we go out and not tell him. All right. And then there was one. What do you got, Drum? Well, as you guys were mentioning in this segment, one book that came to mind right away is um, this series called Miranda Mercury. And I have in my hand the Volume 1 collection. The writer is Brandon Thomas, and the artist is Dee Ferguson. And I came across this a a little while ago because uh, I I talk to Brandon every now and then on uh, Facebook. And uh, he's just a very easygoing guy, and and uh, we were doing this kind of Facebook event where people would just kind of post their work to kind of just see what different independent artists, creators, and comic book folks are up to. Right. It's like, man, this is really impressive. Um, the the collection is published by Arkea, okay. and um, I I don't know what year it actually first came out. But I figured, you know, I'll probably mention this because people probably don't, haven't heard of this one. If they haven't, they probably should. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a space adventure with a, a teen African-American girl as a, as a lead character. And it's just really well done. It's a great story, a great read, a lot of fun. And I have a, a soft spot for um, indie uh, work, of course but also stuff that's kind of fresh and, and, and takes a, a new spin on things that we really like, which is those kind of space traveler kind of things, you know, Absolutely. in the same, the same world as, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. And, uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. So uh, she's like off in deep space and adventures or, yeah, I mean... Yeah, and so she's got a couple of side characters that, that are along with her on this journey. And, you know, basically just kind of like a... You know, uh, she has kind of like high-tech gadgets that she uses to, uh, you know, confront the bad guys and all that stuff. But it's just really well-drawn, great storytelling. 
So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'd like to give him a little shout out and say, hey, um, this guy's doing some great stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, he's working on volume two right now. And that's due out very soon. I think I'm pretty far along with the artwork on uh, volume two. So hopefully we see that uh, pretty soon on the shelves, too. Awesome. Hmm. I'm excited to look into this. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I've heard that name before, maybe a past and, guest or something. But... If I'm not mistaken, it probably came out... Let's see if I can find it here real quick. No, you're fine. And this guy, he's got a lot of cred. He's been working on a lot of material for, um, you know, he's, he's put in some time at, at Marvel, DC, at Dynamite wow. as well. So, uh, yeah, Miranda Mercury, I think you guys would really like that. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. Very good comic to talk this week. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's move into Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? This week we have Nathaniel Dancy Jr., age five. And what has Nathaniel Dancy Jr. done this week to deserve well, a spot on a Hall of Justice? He had recently learned the alphabet. <laughs> Can I get on the wall? I know the alphabet. <laughs> He and his father were driving one day. His dad suffered a stroke and had an aneurysm while they were going uh, on a shopping trip. Holy cow. Um, Dancy Sr. managed to pull the car over, and Nathaniel called his grandmother for help. After a conference call calling his mom, uh, the grandmother asked where they were and where the car was stopped at. Nathaniel couldn't figure out where they were exactly, being he's only five years old. But he, I was able to look around and saw a store that was near them and was able to read out the letters that spelled furniture from a sign and also told them that they were close to a tunnel. And with that information, his grandma and mom were able to find out where they were and call for help. Uh, an ambulance came and they were able to save Dancy Sr. and save his life. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Never underestimate having to learn the alphabet, huh? <laughs> and incredible. I gotta say, guys, I really appreciate this little segment that you guys do here. I think it's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I think you guys should definitely make sure you keep this in there. Oh, yeah, we love doing this. I, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. always fun to hear uh, what Jack finds on this, these heroes, these people out there doing good. It's, it's, it's tough amazing. sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> makes you feel pretty good after calling them out. Yeah, for yeah. sure. There's also on the website uh, a wall of all the heroes from the past episodes, too. You can read all their stories. Yep. Nice. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that was it. He he saved his dad. Well, for that, Nathaniel Dancy Jr. found a spot on a wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. So thank you so much for your good deeds. Boy, that cold's giving my <laughs> I was going to say, you need to have a cold more often than I do this segment, because that sounded awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to pay off somehow. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's, with that, let's move into our stories for the week. And I'll take the first one here, and this isn't uh, anything big. I just found it kind of funny. Uh, Christopher Walken is scheduled to play Captain James Hook. Just <laughs> a strange choice. Yeah, can you can you picture that? No. <laughs> But it's going to be Peter Pan Live on NBC December 4th, and Allison Williams will be playing Peter Pan. Another female I was just going to role say. playing Peter Pan. I wonder uh, if it's... I mean, do they only have to get uh, females to do the stage productions? Or I understand back in the day when it was... Mary Martin? Mary, yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. what guy was going to wear tights and fly around? <laughs> Burt Ward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, nowadays, I don't, I don't know why. Why would it have to be a female? Maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe she was just the best. I was just curious. That's true. Just uh, picturing uh, Christopher Walken playing Captain Hook. Like, I can't. I can't imagine. Yeah. You get get off my boat. <laughs> You're not welcome here. <laughs> Look out, me. There's an alligator is coming. I don't like, make me tell you again about the alligator. <laughs> So it could be fun. We'll have to see. He's fun to listen to. Uh, I love Christopher Walken. Yeah. It's just the picture of him with the the hook and the big wig and the cap, the pirate outfit. It was it was funny to see. But that's all I have on that. I just want to mention that that airs on December fourth on NBC. I haven't even heard anything about that. 
I just found it digging around on the internet looking for stuff hmm. to talk about. Anyway, uh, what next? Uh, this week, the first issue of the new 52 release, Lobo, comes out. Have you uh, had any interest in seeing that? I don't know much about Lobo. I, I do. don't either. On, we were watching uh, the Justice League, the old series, on Netflix, Misty mm-hmm. and I. And there was one episode that Superman got transported to another world for a little while. And while he was gone, Lobo came and showed up. And he wasn't really a bad guy. He was kind of a good guy, or wanted to be. He was like an anti-hero, but all he did was cause problems for Hmm. everybody else while he was trying to save the day, because he didn't really... uh, It's hard to explain. (laughs) He would, like, wreck stuff trying to help people, but... Kind of like Bizarro? Yeah, kind of. But he would refer to himself as the main man all the time. Oh, really? (laughs) But after a while, they're like... You need to get out of here. <laughs> we don't like you. I got to check out like the first three pages they have on Marvel.com and uh, or not Marvel shit. Uh, it was like comic book resource. Mm. I don't remember where I saw it, but uh, there was like a three-page preview. And the image of Lobo, I know he's got the great big black handlebar mustache, yep. the great big shock of black hair, and he's just mm. over the top muscular. Mm-hmm. And in this uh, issue one, he had just a normal haircut, no facial hair at all, thin, average-looking guy. So I don't know if it's... Well, I mean, it's part of the 52 universe, so I don't know if they're starting him. changed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's very young, maybe early in his career. I don't know. But uh, it was... What I read wasn't bad. Hmm. So I might check it out. Interesting. So the writing was good? It wasn't bad. I mean, like I said, it was only the first couple pages, so you didn't get to get a full, like, scope of the writing, really. But um, I was interested. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw some postings of the uh, the character design, and, and I was really surprised with the big shift on that. But, yeah. uh, you know, if, if they do a great, consistent job with the art and the writing is solid, then, you know, who knows? I'll, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't have any regular DC books I pick up, and I'm always kind of looking for one. So mm-hmm. maybe this will be a... I'll give it a shot. Your first 52... No, not my first. No, it's not? Okay. No, uh, Joker's Daughter was oh, my that's first. Right, yeah. And that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, okay, so coming out October 29th, we have the Harley Quinn Annual Number 1 releasing. And what's going to make this book special is it's a scratch-and-sniff comic book. Oh, I thought it was going to be like stickers included or something. I didn't realize that the book itself was going to be... The book itself. The cover and on the inside of the book are going to have different scratch and sniff uh, sections. And the cover of the book has her posing and there's like little like pictures of ice cream, pizza, stuff in the background. I'm sure you can scratch all of it and smell it. It's like that fourth dimension bringing broken. Yeah. But um, you might be saying, well, who the hell cares? I mean, what's so special about Scratch and Sniff? Well, it's the smells that you're going to find in this book that are (laughs) kind of funny. Uh, Some of the more basic ones, pizza, suntan lotion, leather. The one that uh, seems to be getting people's attention, though, is marijuana. You're going to be able to smell cannabis in this book. What? Yeah, I could not believe it. That's strange coming from a a DC comic book. The smell of weed. I've been trying to wrap my mind around it, too, because, I mean, the target audience, mind you, I mean, here we are, 30 in our (laughs) 30s reading the book, so who cares? But there's a lot of kids out there, too, Mm -hmm. who are getting them, too. Um, I'm going to have one. I want one just to have to my collection. It's one of those weird out there things. But um, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tear the pages out and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a different edition that's going to be made for international uh, shipping that instead of smelling like marijuana, it's going to smell like fresh cut grass. And the reason being is because these books would be causing a stir in customs with dogs sniffing Mm -hmm. drugs. And (laughs) so, yeah, the people overseas, you have to get the uh, cut grass edition. So keep keep a nose out in uh, October at your local comic book store. I wonder if those ones will be hard to get here. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious about our comic book store having them. 
What do you think about this drone? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, part of me says it's probably just a marketing ploy. I, I don't know if it's like the real the real deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. You know, yeah, like you said before, I mean, comics, you know, has segments for just about everybody, right? Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you put up a, a product out there, um, you have to sort of think about, yeah, who's most likely going to buy the comic? And right. so, yeah, you have to just kind of decide if you're going to do something because it means something, you're trying to make a statement, or if it's just playing games. So that's just me. And that's kind of what it looks like to me, is maybe it's just playing games. I haven't seen inside the cover at all, so I could be wrong, but I just didn't get any sense of seriousness from the cover of this book. I wonder if they'll have them sealed in a bag. Ooh, you know what? They might. Just to keep brat kids from running yes. around in the comic stores <laughs> scratching it all the smell off. And keep every <laughs> comic book store across America smelling like weed. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking the pack rats. Jamie, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm out of here. Well, I never. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. I've got to have it in my collection. It's just one of those weird, uh, those weird things, man. It makes a collection a collection. Exactly. And it's going to stink in here. <laughs> right. All right, Jack. Right. I've been dying to hear. You've got something on Night Rider that you've been saving. So <laughs> I haven't. I couldn't get clear on which it is. If it's. Uh, spin-off or if it's a reboot because I was kind of reading both in the in the in the story of Knight Rider so they're gonna do us it's either a spin-off or a reboot of it and Justin Bieber is going to be the voice of Kit what <laughs> yep this shit should be in the rumor mill. No, Are you kidding no, me? It's, it's serious yeah I I found it all over the place today what do you mean a reboot like a TV show yeah they rebooted that shit like three years ago and they had they did, they did, it was they? like a it was a Mustang. Yeah. Well, Mustang was the main car, but it, it disappeared as quick as it came around. It wasn't good. <laughs> Actually, it's a movie. It I'm is sorry. a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. Uh, the movie is going to be called Killing Hasselhoff. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got the the description from IDMB is a uh, the the synopsis is a man in a high stakes celebrity death pool quickly loses everything: his business, his bank account, his home, his finance. There's fiance. Uh, he snaps, then realizes the only way to get his life back on track, he'll have to murder his own celebrity. He'll have to kill Hasselhoff. Uh, hmm. <laughs> wow. Hey. Uh, go right ahead. I've got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> that's that's all I could find, but it's yeah. one of those where we're just gonna wait and see, uh, yeah. right? Well, Justin Bieber. Yep. Apparently, there's is uh, the voice of the car. Yeah. Yep. N n huh, this kind of is making me think. It sounds like uh, when Wes Craven did a new nightmare with Freddy. Like, uh, like the, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. That when Freddy Krueger actually was kind well, of real, like came he was... to real life because of all the. West Cra or the West Craven movie had built up such a stir, and Freddie was coming life, after the actors. Right? Life. Yeah, that's what. That's the hmm. only thing I can think of is how this is playing out. Well, I can't say it any better than you, Jerome. We will see. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, if if uh, Bieber wasn't my GPS man, I'd be turning that off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap. Poor Bieber kid. He does it to himself. I mean, you know, <laughs> what are you supposed to think about him? Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, that's all. <laughs> Killing Hasselhoff. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't make sense because it kept saying the reboot and then it's a spinoff too. So I, I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. If it's going to reboot into like a whole new Knight Rider thing or... Uh, yeah. I think Knight Rider is one of those things that probably can't come back and have the same magnitude it did no. in the 80s, you know? A car that talks, you know? Our, our cars in our everyday talk to us now. now so. yeah. Kit, you're not that impressive anymore, I'm sorry. But I'll, I'll still watch those uh, those old episodes, for sure. As for the Bieber-mobile, no. <laughs> stand his music, why would I want to hear him in a car? <laughs> Jeez, right? So, anyway, moving along. I think that's all we have for stories, right? Yes. So let's turn our attention over to Jerome Walford of uh, Forward Comics and talk about Nowhere Man. Thanks again for being with us, Jerome. 
Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a uh, really exciting, a really exciting time. It's just been a thrill ride. Every issue has. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the uh, comic? So uh, basically, uh, the story of Norman is a, a crime drama with a sci-fi twist. And it follows Jack McGuire, a detective based in New York City, and is yearning to become the greatest superhero of all time, but naturally at a very high price. And uh, so far, we've got four books out in the series. Uh, the first three books make up the first volume. And naturally, the next three books will make up the second volume. And um, I am keeping my fingers crossed. Right now, um, this second book in the second volume is at the printers right now. Awesome. And we're hoping to get copies very, very soon. In time for uh, New York Comic Con. That's the goal. That's awesome. the goal. Well, we hope you get them before yeah. then, man. Uh, and thanks for letting us have an advanced look at that. What you guys think? I'm really curious. It was awesome. I like getting to go see a little bit more of Zade. And the return of the, uh, the schematics on how the suit yes. works. And I think I said in the episode when we just talked about Nowhere Man, I don't remember how long ago that's been. That's one thing that draws me further into the comic, knowing uh-huh. how things work. You exactly. know, instead of yep. just expecting you to believe what you're being thrown, you know, well, this is how this works. This is how that works. It just pulls you in even that much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this series has been a lot of fun to work on because it's one of the things that motivated me to get back into comics. Uh, the story had been with me for a long time and I, I just kind of was thinking about what kind of story would I really enjoy seeing and what kind of story would make a really great independent uh, comic book series. And so, gosh, this this last book here, number five, is, is really the heart of the story. You know, it's kind of the, the core around which everything else swirls. And um, it, it was a big uh, risk, too, the way it's, it's formatted, the way it's put together. Um, it's someone described as being very poetic, just the way it's kind of, you know, kind of you have these different pieces that come together and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a very strange place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was taking a big gamble with that and, and I'm really hoping it pays off. I think it's going to, man. This yeah. You're on a hell of a roll right now with this series. <laughs> oh, I've been pushing really hard and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun to work on, but it's also very exhausting too. But the thing that makes it really rewarding, you know, is just hang it to, to, to fans like you and just hearing how you guys really enjoy it. Yeah. So tell us, where did the idea originate from? You said you've been holding on to this idea for a while. Where did it start? Yeah, well, um, it it kind of almost goes all the way back to high school for me, which is uh, many moons ago. (laughs) (laughs) For us all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had had this um, story about maybe a group of about 10 characters that were part of this really strange, edgy story. And uh, to be honest, it was really bad. It was a very bad story. It's just not very well done. <laughs> and, <laughs> but the characters and how they had these really strange relationships, on and off relationships, really appealed to, to me. So, it, you know, it kind of was gathering dust for a long time. And I really dusted it off and, and did this really short story, maybe a 10-pager in college, <clears throat> and did that as a uh, kind of like as a fun project for one of my classes. And the teacher really loved it. And I thought, you know, there's got to be something here. I can probably do something with this. But sure enough, I graduated and decided I need to settle down and get a job. Exactly. <laughs> and so, as, as we all do. <laughs> right. And, you know, so, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and I tell other uh, folks who are thinking about getting into comics uh, the same thing that, you know, hey, you know, don't get into it so much for the money. But if you have a story you're passionate about, you know, you, you've got to give yourself the opportunity to do that. You know, you got to. You got to take that chance. Exactly. And so uh, I thought to myself, you know, the, the worst thing would be for me not to take that chance, not to take that that, uh, that gamble and, and see where this thing goes. So I started rewriting it, you know, pretty heavily for a long time and uh, slowly started working on the artwork. And then, you know, I showed it to a few friends. And like, they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, you should really, really try to make something of this. And, uh, you know, slowly over the years, the characters have just really matured quite a bit. And the story, too, has become, you know, something that I think would, would hopefully have some substance to it. Absolutely. It definitely does. This series has won an award, right? Yeah, um, that was really cool. The Glyph Comics Awards is an annual 
um, event that happens, and I, I think it's in its eleventh year now. And um, you know, I, I just thought, hey, just to kind of get some more exposure, I decided to submit it to um, to the committee. And uh, yeah, they came back uh, this year and said, hey, you should come down to Philadelphia. <laughs> You've been nominated for for an award, and I was like, wow, yes, <laughs> <laughs> what a great feeling yeah. that must have been. You know, hey, I was sitting next to, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of the guys who put together um, Watson and Holmes, uh, but they've been doing on a great run this year. And so, you know, I was hanging out with them and, you know, they, they were nominated as well. So I was like, oh, man, OK, I'm nominated next to and Stephen Harris and, you know, um, and also Jamal Igle and some other guys who are just really rocking it right now with, with their books. Sure. Uh, this, I don't stand a chance on anything here. And uh, and so then they called and said, you know, the winner for best male character is Jack McGuire from the Nora Man series. I was I was in shock. <laughs> what an awesome story. That is phenomenal. You have to feel so. Oh, man, I can't imagine what you felt. Oh, it was I, I, I was I was in I was in shock. I mean, it was it was totally amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to have, to have an idea. It's another thing to say, I want to take a chance on it. And it's another thing for someone to say, yeah, we think this thing means something and we want to recognize it. And so that's what it really meant uh, for me and, and for the series. And, and it kind of gave me that push, you know, because, and I'll be honest, you know, when you're an indie creator, and again, thanks to you guys and to other folks out there who are giving us um, a little bit of time to talk about our work and to get the word out there. But it's very tough. It's very challenging. And so a lot of times you have a lot of doubts about whether or not it's really worth it. Right. Uh, but then when someone comes along and say, you know, this, this story had an impact on me or we think it's worthy of recognition, man, it's, it makes all those long hours, you know, you know really mean something. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, though. Though it's late. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was really happy for you when I saw it because I saw you were nominated, and then I think you posted on Twitter or something that you had won. I was super happy for you. I was like, "Way to go!" Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Congratulations again, man. Thanks. So, thanks a lot. So, what kind of comics did you grow up like uh, reading, or did you read comics growing up? Yeah, I I, I read. Um... A lot of X-Men. I read a lot of uh, Spider-Man, you know, just kind of like a, a mixture of mainstream stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, for a long time, kind of moved away from it. I was really inspired to maybe go into publishing or, or maybe even comics possibly. But, uh, you know, when I went to college, I kind of, you know, that, that part of me kind of went dormant for a long time. Right. Um, but then I, I kind of start to reevaluate, you know, when the market crashed, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people were asking themselves the same question, you know, what the heck am I going to do now? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, you know, it, the, the, uh, the one thing that stuck with me through that was, you know, if, uh, if now's the time to kind of reinvent yourself, you know, what would, what would you do? What would you be? And uh, and this is what I came back to. I said, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last, but let's just try to do do something here. Oh yeah. And, uh, and and man, it's been it's been a, a long journey because I tell you, those first few pages of uh, I don't think anyone's ever seen it. Thankfully, of uh, nowhere, man. I, I did you know a fifteen pager uh, maybe about back in '08, and it was rough. I mean, it was just really rough looking. Um, but I, I started to just rewrite it and polish it and polish it and just keep pushing forward. And uh, it's gotten to a point now where I kind of feel it's gotten to a place where I can feel feel, feel, feel really good about giving it to someone saying, "Hey, this is this is my work. This is what I've done." Absolutely. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about uh, TV shows. You know how the first couple episodes or first season even can be kind of rough working yeah. all the bugs out. Same goes for comics. You know, and you seem yeah. like you got everything worked out pretty darn good. <laughs> Uh, you know, thanks. Yeah, it's it's been one of those things. Yeah, where um, if you don't give up, if you don't, you know, just kind of, you know, turn it all off. You know, the more you work on it, you know, you'd be surprised. You know, something that you know may not have been so sharp in the beginning becomes something that you'd feel really proud of producing. Exactly. Yeah. It, it reminds me of when we started doing this. You know, we just started <laughs> yeah. doing this just for fun, but within. One year, it'll be it'll yeah. be a year here in two weeks. The things we've got to do, the people oh, yeah. we've got to talk to, experiences we've had have been incredible. 
Yeah, and, and so we're just yeah, gonna just keep going. put a price on that. I mean, that's 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 what's really amazing, you know. Yeah, if you got a passion for something, that's that's usually the the, the path you should go down. You know, if you're passionate about something, you got to go for it. Exactly. No, truer words are never spoken. Especially getting into the like the indie books, because most of the time it was the the big two. That's all I knew. Exactly. And then actually finding the whole indie world, it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, the different stories you get. I mean, uh, yeah. you never know. You never know what's going to come through. It's not all superheroes and villains. Exactly. Yep. Sorry, I don't mean to take the attention <laughs> away from you, Jerome. Oh, it's, it's totally cool. And I think probably one of the reasons why I decided to go indie with this series because I think in the beginning I thought, yeah, if, if I continue to push it towards being a superhero kind of book, you know, then, you know, people will kind of perceive it better, you know, because it's, it's more kind of within the realm of what people see and, and embrace already. Um, but then, you know, after a while, I said, you know, the story's got to be a little bit more organic. It's got to, it's got to find its own way. And so it, it definitely still beats with the heart of a superhero um, book sure. uh, series, but it's 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 um, yeah I'm, I'm taking a lot of uh, twists and turns with it, and and so I want to try to br- bring something that's a little more layered and complex. And awesome. so I, I think the indie uh, environment is 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 the best place to do that because you could take a lot of chances, and people are like, yeah, they would appreciate it. You know, sometimes they may not hit the mark exactly, but they kind of appreciate the effort. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just get a whole different uh, breed of stories out of the independent world, and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's it's so needed because you know it's 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 great to have DC and Marvel putting out just you know you know great material that exactly. we can really enjoy. That's in the superhero realm. You know that's their wheelhouse. Um, but you know in the independent market, you just never know. You might find a story that will literally change your life after you read it. I mean, I've I've been in that situation before, and uh, you'd be surprised what you will find. Some of the books I've been turned on to, like Robo Chuck, I don't, or not, yeah, Robo Chuck, right? Thinking uh, Atomic Robo. Atomic Robo, I'm sorry. Well, Robo Chuck too, though. Yeah. That was a yeah. good book. Um, <laughs> and what else? Well, your book, uh, Nowhere Man, that was one of the better books that we've had come through here. This I mean, one, I don't think I've been so ramped up to get to a cliffhanger at the end of the, the fourth issue. Right. I was like, <clears throat> no, what? But <laughs> that's that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. And then we got the email from you that the the fifth issue was coming out, and I was just like, hell yes! You know how to keep a sense of suspense. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of in, in a way uh, I kind of structured the book to kind of or the series to operate kind of like you know um, a season, in, in a, if you will, in, in um, like a TV show. And so you got to get that big cliffhanger at the end of the series or the it end is, of the season. Too. Mm-hmm. To, to kind of get people to come back and so that's what I've been trying to do and uh, so far it's, it's been working out pretty good very good awesome with uh, issue 5 being to the printers have you started 6 yet? I have and um, oh boy um, <laughs> <laughs> so how do I do this without um, too many spoilers so um, actually one of the cool things I'll be doing at New York Comic Con is I'm going to have a series of prints that are mostly from uh, book mostly from book five and maybe one or two from um, from book six. And so I think with uh, book six, we're going to see, I mean, it's going to be a lot more action. It's going to ramp up really fast because I feel like after book number five, people get a really good sense of where the characters are mm-hmm. and their heart and uh, what motivates them. And so things have been sort of just building up since uh even since book three you're going to just really begin to explode you know what i mean you're going to see characters just really kind of embrace their destiny destiny and just kind of just go for it and um it's going to be a, a thrill ride basically it's going to be just really amped up you know chase after action sequence throughout new york city and, and even beyond that and uh i'm gonna have a lot of fun with it very cool got some work ahead of you <laughs> I now do. You also have a novel out, right? Uh, Curse of the Griffin. Oh yes, yes. Um, so um, the story behind that is, um, I'd had this idea for a uh, a series that um, reinvents the the vampire narrative or the origin story of vampires. And um, I was going to do a comic book series on it, but it was just so big and so epic. I thought, mm, this, yeah, let's just try to do this as a, as a, as a novel, as a regular mm-hmm. novel, and see how that goes. Um, and um, it got some really good um, press and reviews in the beginning. Um, and uh, I think it was uh, 
partly because um you know let's just be honest i'm doing a lot of this still in my spare time quote unquote right. um and so i didn't really give it the marketing push that i really should have and so it had a difficult time finding an audience um that being said uh, i'm hoping uh that by by this time next year i'm gonna have the second book in that series done um but don't quote me on that just yet <laughs> <laughs> i know how that can be and uh, so i guess if i was to give like a, a quick synopsis of that of that project it's basically um the coming of age story um about this kid named daniel griffin um he's an orphan growing up on the streets of this town and uh, the whole town is ran by vampires oh wow <laughs> so it's he's basically this quirky artist kid who um who's now living on the street and he's trying to find a way to make a living without converting to vampirism because that's basically the only way he can get a job in that town a story has a lot of heart it's it's it's, it's very quirky you know it's not you know how you would necessarily envision a, a vampire kind of story and um and so i decided to kind of just put the first book out there and see how it does and i'm really hoping to spend more time with it because again the character has a lot of heart and i think if i had to devote more time to it and i had more time to kind of flesh it out i think it could do really well awesome I'll have to check that out too. We've got so much reading to do, my oh, lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you're going to be at the New York Comic Con. What date uh, is that? So that's um, October 9th through the 12th, and I'll be there all four days. I guess it's, it's four days. Oh yeah, it's four days. Uh, just, yeah, it's you know, uh, I'm kind of a um, an introvert. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just be in the studio, just just cooking out material, but. Uh, you know, with a show like that in my backyard, I've just got to get out there and, and meet fans and just try to get the material out there. Because I think when people get it out, the, you know, get their stuff out there, you've got to be willing to stand in front of someone and talk about it. Exactly. And, uh, you know, a show like that definitely affords me the opportunity to do that. So I'm just really hoping to meet a lot of new people and introduce the work that I'm working on and, and hopefully find find some more fans and, and try to build a, a fan base for it. Awesome, man. Are there going to be uh, any other cons you're going to be appearing at? So yeah, um, this will be the big one this year. Then there's a couple of things that are floating around for this year, but then next year is going to be a big year. I'm going to try to make a really considered effort to to get out there and be more visible. I'm going to be doing, um, I think it's called the East Coast Comic Con, the one in New Jersey. Have you guys heard of that? Uh, uh-uh. No. It's, uh, I think it's the East Coast Comic Con. They used to be Asbury uh, Comic Con, but they've changed names and they've changed venues. So I'll be doing that. I'll be doing Mocha in New York. I'll be uh, be looking to do some other big shows as well. So next year is going to be a, a year of doing a lot of shows. Awesome. Um, at that point, I'll have a lot of material out, and and it's just a matter of again, just kind of just being more out there and, and talking to people about the work that I'm doing. Sweet. Well, if you ever uh, come to a con close to Columbus or anywhere near Ohio, let us know. We'd love to come oh, out yeah. and uh, meet you and check out your booth. Oh yeah, that'll be very cool. Very cool. So uh, where else can people get the books? Well, um, yeah, I'm on Comixology, which has been a great venue to get books out digitally. So, um, so far, all the books in the New Romance series that has been published are available on Comixology. Um, I also have a short that I finally got on there. Um, I'm also on um, Amazon, so you can actually order the books directly through Amazon. The third place to get books is actually to order them directly from from me and if you go to my website forwardcomics.com you can actually use that to order the books and the books that you order there comes directly from my inventory so i'll be able to sign them and all that oh beautiful there you go yeah and we'll put a uh, link to forward comics on our web page so uh we can direct people over that way yeah that'd be great thanks guys awesome drum thanks for being on the show again it's been uh it's been a blast thanks for having me it's been a lot of fun so, Jack, what else can we uh, expect to see on our website there? Oh, show recaps. You can see the Hall of Heroes on the Wall of Justice. Uh, photos, videos, and trailers. And also the Candair comic book store, video game store, and movie store. Very nice. And next week, right, marks our 50th episode. Yes. Yep. So Milestone. 
Yeah, we're going to see if we can't think of anything cool to do on that episode. Uh, We've had fan art submitted to us in celebration of 50 Mm -hmm. episodes. So if anyone out there wants to submit some fan art, send it our way. We'll be happy to post it. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, Until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And this is Jerome Walford. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for being with us again, man. And we'll see everyone next week. Oh, you're talking to me all wrong. It's it's the wrong tone. You do it again. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Is that right? Let me ask you something. Does your mother sew? Boom! Get her to sew that! Man, that was another great episode of Canned Air, huh, Timmy? Let's go outside. All right. Hey, kids. Oh, my God, who's that? It's Creeper, the worst G.I. Joe character ever made. That's right. I heard you guys were going to go outside. Why don't you stay inside and go to www.cannedairpodcast.com, where you can get some scoop on past episodes, see movie trailers, and go to the Canned Air game store, video store, and comic book store. Yay! With cannedairpodcast.com, we'll never have to go outside again. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily... That's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately 7 minutes.